It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's so great to be at our kitchen table. And boy, Sean, this has been a crazy, crazy week. Um, We see Donald Trump indicted yet again. So here is Jack Smith, the prosecutor, laying out the charges. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021 was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. All right, that was Jack Smith. Let's bring in our friend, Will Kane, who's been tweeting about this, I don't know, like, all night, last night. Um, Will Kane, what's your reaction? Well, hello, Rachel and Sean. It's great to be with you guys here on the From the Kitchen Table podcast. My reaction to the indictment is that we are arriving at a point where the American democracy is in an incredibly fragile state, and the bedrock foundation that is being threatened is not the transfer of power and the norms and procedures that transition us from one president to another, but the, the right that was enshrined first in our Bill of Rights, and that is free speech. I think what was indicted was not just Donald Trump, but the idea, the concept of freedom of speech. Yeah. I I think you're absolutely right, Will. And um, even going back to uh, what what Jack Smith said, he said, this is an attack on the seat of democracy. It's fueled by lies, uh, which is a bedrock function of our government. And I can't help but think when I when I hear Democrats, Jack Smith, talk about an attack on a seat of democracy, I can't help but think about Russia collusion. That was an attack on our democracy, that our federal government, the, the, the bureaucracy of government, had a concerted effort to remove a duly elected president from the United, you know, from, from the White House by, by lies, by leaks, by fake stories, fake investigations. The Department of Justice is accusing Donald Trump of what they themselves did to him. And you know what's fascinating about that, Sean? You're right. The the temptation, I think, if you have an impartial listener, would be, well, Sean's playing tit for tat, right? We're taking one... We're taking one controversy and comparing it to another. But in my mind, Sean, you've actually drawn upon a very perfect analogy. And here's why. Russia collusion was a fraud. It was a lie. And the price to pay, the, the accountability mechanism for that is political. The, the people involved in the Russia collusion hoax never faced any type of criminal charge. Right. And the allegation here is that Donald Trump has lied, that he lied about the fraudulent nature of the 2020 election. And in the indictment, Jack Smith lays out the manner and means of his lies turning into a fraud, an attempt to defraud the government of the United States. And he goes through... It amounts to about five different manner and means that he attempt to perpetrate this fraud. It's stuff like attempts to sway the vice president of the United States to set aside the procedure to transfer power. It's stuff like trying to uh, persuade state electors or legislators to set aside the popular vote. And it, it, it for example, says you impaneled a fraudulent alternate set of electors in an attempt to sway the vice president. All of them, by the way, amount to persuasion. Their, their speech. He, it's, it's things Trump said or did along with his quote-unquote co-conspirators to try to get people to change their mind. But your Russia collusion analogy also interfered with the procedure of the United States government. It obstructed, you know, that was part of the charges, one of the four charges, obstructing a uh, official proceeding of the United States government. But the price to pay for all of that, Sean, is that those guys, for example, Adam Schiff, should pay the price in the political process, not be faced with an indictment from a special prosecutor. 
So the point I'm getting at is, even if you don't like what Donald Trump said, if you don't, if you don't believe his claims of a fraudulent election, the price for him to pay should be in politics. He should lose at the ballot, not be drugged before a court because you think what he had to say is a lie and he knew it was a lie. Yeah, I mean, it says he knew it was a lie. Well, I mean, if you had a Russia collusion hoax you know, perpetrated against you for four years and every trick in the book thrown at you throughout this, you know, the time that he has, you know, even before he was in office, but as he was running and everything else, you had the laptop suppressed, you had people, you, you bring it up in the, in a debate and you had 51, you know, intelligence officers just a couple days before saying it was Russian disinformation so that Joe Biden in the debate could say, oh, no, no, 51, you know, intelligence officers said it's Russia disinformation. I mean, you've had every trick thrown at you. Why would you believe this election was on the up and up? Uh, but let's let's just put that aside for a second. What, what do you what do you make of what happens now? And I don't mean legally. I just mean to our country, because I think. I just feel like something really serious has been broken. I mean, we've seen a lead up to this, the Mar-a-Lago raid, blah, 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 blah. But this seems like a moment that is changing America maybe forever. So a couple of points, Rachel. First of all, I I agree with you. Good luck trying to convince any jury beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump doesn't really believe in the integrity of the 2020 election, that he doesn't believe it was fraudulent. I believe... He wholeheartedly thought so in 2020 and still does today wholeheartedly believes that the 2020 election was fraudulent. So he he couldn't have knowingly lied if he 100 percent believes that he won in 2020. And from every passionate speech and rally to every interview, which, by the way, whether or not he's asked about it or not, he generally brings it up. um, I think he might believe that it was a fraud in 2020. You know, I think secondly, I hope he hires a really good lawyer. I hope he has a really good lawyer. And here's why. I saw a tweet this morning that he intends to subpoena every intelligence agent that was signed off on that, dismissing Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation, that he's looking to bring the entire thing before court. I hope he does. Me too. Like, when they, you know, if you're sued for defamation, truth is the ultimate defense, and you should drag everyone in there to air every truth that you want. You know, I think in this case, he should air every grievance he has about the 2020 election in, in Jack Smith's attempted prosecution of him. But what this means for America, I don't think it's so much as an earthquake as another piece of straw on the camel's back. Mm-hmm. And I say that from the average American's point of view. They'll still be deluded by the mainstream media. They'll still have their Trump blinders on. And I I think that the very reasonable people in America have been broken by the image of Donald Trump, the image painted to them by the mainstream media or their own perception of his personality. And so they're not going to dive deep into the facts of this this indictment. They'll probably just come away from it going, wow, hat trick, third indictment for Donald Trump. He's so dirty. But for those that go just a tad bit deeper, it'll be another straw on the camel's back. And you know, Joe Biden came in saying, "I'm going to restore the norms of our democracy," and the and the uh, we're going to bring a nice old man back to Washington D.C. to bring comedy back to our political process. And I think everyone's going to begin to realize that's total BS. This this thing has entirely been weaponized, and in, at some point. It will break the camel's back. I'm not convinced this one event will be the earthquake that shakes it. Because I, I, I don't think it's about this event. I just think, listen, this yeah. past week was the first week that we really started to see what, what I think, what I've known all along, uh, which is that, you know, this president has been getting, we now see, what, 30, 50 million dollars in in money from Ukraine, Russia, China. We had the, the uh, uh, Devin Archer you know, testimony. And then all of a sudden this happens. So I'm, 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 I'm asking, I don't think it's just this indictment. I think it's this indictment plus the timing of it, just as, you know, all this information was coming out about the corruption. You don't, you think even, you know, even Democrat, you know, you don't think Democrats will look at that or even independents, maybe independents are more important in this. Well, you're, you're juxtaposing the two big news events um, against one another this week. And, of course, you're referencing the Devin Archer testimony, in my mind, really validating stuff that we already knew yeah. about the influence peddling scheme Hunter Biden fronted for what we believe, with 
reasonable belief was the Biden crime family, including Joe Biden. And I agree with you because I actually think that story has the potential to be more of an earthquake than this third indictment of Donald Trump. And I think it's the beginning. You know, Devin Archer's the first in the deposition phase of this House Oversight Committee with James Comer. There will be more. Eric Schwerin. I I assume it. We might even at some point see Hunter Biden. And I think it's going to become undeniable to the point that I honestly don't believe that Joe Biden now is going to be the Democratic nominee for president. I, I think this story has begun the process of undoing Joe Biden. And so that's really big, at least for our, our you know, every four years Democratic process. But for the deeper point, which I thought you were kind of alluding to more, Rachel, and maybe this plays to it as well. And, that, and that's whether or not we have a real corrupt deep institutional base in this country, the DOJ, um, the FBI, things that we've all spoken about. I I think there's still more work to do on exposing that for everyone where you convince the independent voter. You know, Will, I I, I look at, you know, whether it's in sports or it's in the courtroom, uh, people always use the phrase, the best defense is a strong offense. Right. And I'm looking at Joe Biden saying you have all of these attacks coming in. And listen, no matter what Democrats say, there is there is real fire when you have this 1031, uh, 1023 FBI form where you have witness a witness coming in and saying, listen, Joe Biden received five million dollars in payment as well as Hunter Biden received five million dollars. You have. Uh, the the IRS whistleblowers um, talking about how the, the the FBI and the DOJ have stepped in to blunt their investigation. They couldn't get to the big guy. They couldn't. They haven't been able to do a forensic audit of the money that's come in to the shell um, uh, uh, corporations and where that money went and did it go to Joe Biden? They've been stopped from doing that. And and every time we get an, a news event, whether it's about the ten twenty three, whether it's about the plea deal with Hunter Biden. Uh, falling apart, Devin Archer testifying on the Hill. The very next day, there's a new indictment of Donald Trump. So the news cycle, Rachel has mentioned this before you joined us on the podcast, the news the news today is not about Devin Archer's testimony about the corruption with Joe, uh, with, with Joe Biden. It's about Donald Trump. I mean, they're changing the storyline and using the FBI and the Department of Justice to do it. Um, and, and I think you can play that game once, you can play that game maybe twice, but we're three or four times into the very next day, the the FBI running interference with the media on the real story. I mean, listen, this the, the charges against Donald Trump, it's nickel and dime. You and I know that. I mean, listen, there are real, there are real charges and there's nickel and dime petty stuff. This is nickel and dime petty stuff. But you talk about a president who potentially sold out the office of the vice presidency to the tune of millions of dollars and is now the president of the United States and therefore would be compromised. That's that is real crime. That is that is real sedition. Um, And to think that we're not having that conversation as a country blows my mind. Sean, Tom, one one time. I was in the hallways at ESPN, and Joe Tessitore, who uh, used to be the voice of Monday Night Football, he's always been a voice of of boxing. I don't know what it's called, boxing at night on ESPN. He he came up to me. I did first take, you know, at one point, like every day, and it's a huge combative uh, debate show. And he said, uh, "Kane, you're a counter puncher. You slip, you move. Stephen A. comes in throwing <laughs> haymakers, and you move and you jab him right in the nose." My instinct, my point, which he even noticed, is sort of like counterpunching defense. And one of the things I've learned, I'd say over the past three years since I've joined Fox, maybe we've all learned um, in politics is what you just said. The best defense is a good offense. It's 100% true. Like, just stay on offense. Offense all the time. Um, and what, what you've noticed, what everyone should notice, is exactly right. Like, the minute there's a scandal involving Joe Biden, the next day there's another indictment or another scandal for, for Donald Trump. But, you, but you're alluding to something that I think I 100% agree with, Sean, which is the Donald Trump indictments commandeer the news cycle for a little bit, and then it goes away. And in, in, here's the reason. The story's been told. Like, there's this Trump obsession. There's no doubt about it. You talk about Trump. You turn the media into a reality show, and he's your main character, and you've been rewarded with ratings and attention. But the story is old. The story is the same for 
let's see, what was seven, seven, eight years? Yeah, mm-hmm. they've been telling the same story that Donald Trump is a corrupt criminal, right? They've been saying that same story. Well, not if you think about it, it's indistinguishable from Russia collusion to this latest indictment. The the end result that you're hoping to sway in someone's mind is this guy's a threat to democracy and he's a criminal. And we the people have heard that story and they've already made up their own mind. I don't think there's anybody left going. Let me just sit back. I'm I'm undecided. Let, let me let me sit back and weigh the evidence. But the Joe Biden stuff is yet still new. And so what I think will happen is the Donald Trump story will be it may even fade today. It, it may fade tomorrow. But the, the Biden story will come back. I'm telling you, like this deposition phase from James Comer, I think it's going to have weight. There's going to be more witnesses and it's only going to get more. The evidence is going to get more heavy. So I, I think that's the new story. In terms of there, there's more bu- there, the there's, there's more bullets in the gun of the Joe Biden story. You can only indict Donald Trump so many times, right? I mean, so but I mean, terminal velocity. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna get we're going to get the the transcript of the Devin Archer testimony, and that is yeah. going to then drive the news cycle again. You know, we'll first of all a, a couple things about what's going to happen. I, I'm not sure what was going to happen with the the document case down in Florida. Again, he allegedly Donald Trump had classified documents, but Joe Biden has classified documents. Mike Pence had classified documents. Um, that's in Florida. This mm-hmm. case was brought in Washington, D.C., where Donald Trump, I think, got 5% of the vote and Joe Biden got 95% of the vote. Donald Trump doesn't stand a chance at winning this election, winning this uh, trial. He's going to lose, and they're going to try to put him in jail. I mean, that that is a flat-out reality. I don't care what the facts are. I don't, we can analyze it to death. Juries matter, and who makes up the jury matters, and you're going to have a pool of people who hate this man. And no matter what you tell them, they're going, no matter what the defense is, you're going to, they're going to convict Donald Trump. And I think it goes to a, a broader point that you talked about, which is the First Amendment, um, mm-hmm. and it's, this is criminalizing disinformation. Um, yeah. and disinformation is defined as thought that's contrary to the accepted viewpoints of the regime. So if you have a different thought process, it's dis- disinformation and that's now being criminalized. You can't actually speak your mind, um, against the powers that be, whether the, the globalists, the Democrats, or even those elite Republicans who can't stand Donald Trump, they're going to take you down. You know, if you had to define the our age, at least the last five years, we're in the age of disinformation. We're in the mm-hmm. age of mind control through the process of controlling information. And the, the, you're right, Sean. The, the big story here is if 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 this is successful and if you're right, and here's what I think will happen for what it's worth. I think you're right. Donald Trump will lose this trial. He'll you, he'll lose yet again on appeal, most likely, and he will win. Once this goes to the Supreme Court of the United States, the Supreme Court will acknowledge this as a violation of free speech. Who's to decide what is true? Donald Trump believed or did not believe. Who's to decide? Mm -hmm. It criminalizes political speech in particular because, look, with all due respect to Sean, who served and held office, I mean, politicians – and I'm not saying Sean did, but politicians never lied. did. I know what you're going to say, Will. <laughs> never lied. Damn you, Will Sean can. never lied. But good luck, good luck convincing your listener that politicians don't lie. No, no. And I gotcha. so, who's to decide what's a what's yeah. a truth and what's a lie? And if you're going to go down this path, I mean, you better lock up John Kerry. You better lock up Hillary Clinton. You better lock up Stacey Abrams. Any Pocahontas as well. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that ever questioned the outcome of an election, then that's just the start. If we're going to lock up politicians for lying, build new wings, build new prisons. And I think the the Supreme Court of the United States will recognize that that Rubicon that we've crossed and throw out the case. But along the way, Sean, you're right. Donald Trump will lose. He'll, He'll win at the Supreme Court. He'll win in New York. I don't know what will happen with the document case in Florida. Most people seem to think that's the strong, quote unquote, strongest one. So I don't know what will happen in Florida. But along the way, the real risk is a continuation of our age, which is we're going to the minute the moment of truth about our age was the attempt to create the ministry of truth. You know, right. that's where we're headed. That Even though it was a joke and we laughed at that lady no, and all that. No, they tried to do it, though, Well, They tried to do it, yeah. and that was the t- that's what told the truth about this age. They're going to be there to tell us what the truth and criminalize people that fall on the outside of what they define as the truth. We'll have more of this conversation after this. 
Since the 1970s, working-class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. I want to ask you what you think happened. So if they get put, they put Donald Trump in jail, um, maybe then it goes to the Supreme Court. Uh, does it go to the Supreme Court and then he goes to jail? Does he go to jail and then it goes to the Supreme Court? How, how does that how does that play out? And then how does it work with the election? Well, I will defer to Sean on that one. Be, usually you can stay out of g- jail on appeal, well, right, appeal. Sean? Yeah. That, that, that's what's happening with Devin Archer. Devin Archer is, he, he just got, I don't remember how long ago it was now, but he was convicted for f- defrauding a Native American tribe. Out, out of, I yes. can't remember the mechanisms of his fraud, but he was convicted. And he's out on appeal, and that's why he appeared before the House Oversight Committee. And then the controversy was that the DOJ sent him a letter right before he was set to appear yes. saying, hey, you should report to the Bureau of Prisons soon. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. By the reminder, you've got to go to jail. The, the, I, I've served in government. Government officials don't work on the weekend, if they work during right. the week, you're lucky. That was sent over the weekend to the judge. Is it the judge not working? The DOJ is not working. But they found time that weekend before the testimony on on, on this last Monday to write a letter and say Devin Archer has to report can, to can jail. Can I say something here? Right. Talking about you know this ministry of truth and and where we're going in this age of disinformation. Here's one potentially um, you know silver lining, if you can even call it that, um, in this. In, in, in this expectation that the Democrats have that the, the population will go along with their, their narratives, whether it's about Donald Trump or anything else. And I think in the backdrop is COVID, that, you know, we all experience COVID. We all experience the COVID censorship. And now we're all also seeing everything they told us we couldn't say or, we're, or we were shadow banned for saying or whatever has all kind of crumbled. Um, and uh, now you're right. No one's been held accountable. Fauci's still there. Everybody else who lied about about covid and vaccines is, is still is still yeah, being we celebrated him to jail, too, for, well, as, as a liar. I, I hope there's a whole Tough. wing for him in that one, that prison you want built for liars. But that said, um, that's also, I think, undermining the control that I think they think they might have or want to have because mm-hmm. so many people just saw are now living in the post-COVID world where everything they were told is now, we know, no, is not true. So here's my personal journey on that, Rachel, as, as I sort of experienced this age of disinformation. And that is, um, it first started with, with sort of America's race reckoning. For me, I was on CNN and it was Trayvon Martin. And then it was Michael Brown. And and the point of all these cases is what happened is you were told a story. The story, as it turns out, wasn't true according to the facts, but the narrative ran away and defined what everyone understood to happen. And then therefore, what, how everyone understood the soul of America. And if you pushed back in any way and go, well, you know, the facts around Jacob Blake are that he actually did have a knife. Mm -hmm. Well, then you're a racist. Right. And so that really set the ground for me of like, well, we live totally in an age where we're post-truth. Then comes Donald Trump. And we're overlapping some time frame here a little bit. But then comes Donald Trump. And and I'll admit to everyone, I, I was a little slow to seeing the uncovering of the falsehoods around Donald Trump because his personality drove so much perception and, you know, just, just the perception of who, of how he, his demeanor. And I think that's where many people remain today. Oh, I don't like the way he acts. I don't like the way he speaks, you know? Um, 
But if you look back on it, the way that Donald Trump was covered, largely through what Sean said a moment ago, you know, Russia collusion, you slowly start to go, well, that's not true. Well, that's not true. And it wasn't just that story. It was so many, like, very fine people or whatever it might be. There were so many lies that were told if you dug a little bit, you're like, well, that's not exactly how that unfolded. And then you're right, Rachel, I think the, the huge moment was COVID. And then once you get to COVID, it becomes blatant where, okay, I'm being told a story. The story doesn't totally mesh with the facts that I'm seeing or the way that I'm living my life. But before you could even start to dig, you're shut down, silenced, quiet. That's disinformation. You're harming public health. And then, then we hit, then we started to really speed up. Then the BLM 2020 riots. Um, and, and you're told, once again, be quiet. And this is why so many people are skeptical of the war in Ukraine, because it's yet another um, evolution in this in this age where forget what where the three of us are on this war. One thing that's absolutely true is it has been treated informationally in the same way we treated covid in the same yes. way we treated um, the, the 2020 BLM riots in the same way we treated Michael Brown or Trayvon Martin or the same way we treated Donald Trump. You better not question the official narrative or, or you're or you're 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 in. I mean, I still get tweets sent to me that I'm I'm Putin's puppet. And I'm like, what? Right. Like, oh, wow, this is the craziest. But th- these stories are connecting and they're also connecting the, the, the corruption from the Biden administration and this war. We're starting to see those dots being connected as well. But, but asking questions has has been a bedrock of American democracy, having a debate. Um, between people, letting them speak freely, um, it has, has, that's how democracy works through those debates. We have, we have laws, Will, as you know, that protect us. Um, and there's standard in, standards and norms around those laws by which we operate. And with the, with the Donald Trump indictments, I believe that Democrats, liberals, globalists, they're breaking those standards that's and what I'm norms. Afraid of, Sean. That we have always used, they're breaking the system, and I think they're they believe they're breaking the system, and 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 they're justified because the, the big orange the, the big orange man is a threat to mm-hmm. all that we believe. He's a threat to everything, right? And so they're okay breaking the rules and the norms and the standards to get Donald Trump. What I don't think they realize, though, is that when you break the standards, when you break the norms and you use the law as a weapon, it doesn't stay in a box. It's not just going to be used against Donald Trump. Once you break it, it's broken for everybody. And you think you might be protected because you have correct think. But if you ever cross the line, these standards, these new standards will be used for you. I We had a... Um, uh, she was, there's, there's an article on foxnews.com. We also had her on uh, my show on Fox Business, The Bottom Line, which, by the way, is at 6 uh, p.m. Eastern. If you don't catch it, you should. Um, but she, she's, she said, I am a black, queer, Harvard law grad, and I was censored. What was she censored uh, for? She, was, she had come out and said, I don't think biological males should compete against females. And she, in essence, was saying... I was kind of okay with the crazy conservatives being censored, their speech being, <laughs> being censored, but I'm black and I'm queer and I'm a Harvard grad and I'm being censored. Whoa, 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 whoa! And the, the, my point was like, right? That's why we defend everybody's right to say crazy. <laughs> say what you want because we defend everyone's right to say it. Because if you don't, all of a sudden we're on this slippery slope. But they've and- made a calculation, Sean, that for the most part. Ah, the rules don't apply for to now, them. For now. Well, I still I mean I still think you, liberals get away with everything. I don't know. Well, what do you think? I love this I love this part of our conversation, but before I dive in deep, um while we're on the topic of race, Ra- Rachel, you did not respond to my text last night. You made a very bold choice in my estimation when we were texting and you asked me to come on this podcast. Yes. You know this, Sean? She sent me um a white thumbs up and then a brown prayer hands. <laughs> I did, said, you, did you respond? I didn't see that. I went to bed. You didn't see the response? No, I said, no, I'm wow. pulling it up right now. I'm pulling it up I right said, now. I said, wow, bold choice here. I don't know what to make of this. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I first of all, Rachel, I think it's I a bold choice this, when anyone chooses skin color on their emojis. I, I'm like, why are you choosing skin color? I I. I choose the default Simpsons yellow hands. You know what I'm talking about? That's so like, funny. I think it's weird if I got a text from Sean 
and Sean gave me the white thumbs up, I'd be like, wow, Sean, really proud, you know, there of your skin color. <laughs> no, no, no. So <laughs> let me let me explain the emoji. The white thumbs up <laughs> was actually Sean and I was the brown praying hands. <laughs> That was that's what you did that you were thinking no, about the two I, of you honestly, as a parent. Oh. I have such a mix that I just like push from my like ones that I already I use a lot. But I, I, I think that's so funny because you know here you know what's so interesting. I've never I don't really think about it. I don't either. And so you know what I do? I don't think about my emojis. I just sent Willow an emoji that I use all the time. I have a, a the the emoji that has kind of both hands up and to the side. Like I don't know. I sent it's a black emoji for me. I never intended to make Why it a black. Why are you doing a black guy? Uh, I, do, I don't I, know. Emoji. I never, I never put, I never put thought into it. It's like the black emoji <laughs> came up with the both hands out. That's and how so colorblind I, we are. And so I use it, and I get more people responding to that emoji than anything I send out. They're like, why are you sending this? I'm like, I, I, it, it was not intentional. It, it kind of came up in my emojis, and I send it, and I'm not going to change it. Just because you're giving me a hard time about it. And yeah. so like a lot of crap. I think it's such a bold choice for anyone that goes beyond the yellow. I think yellow I think is default. Right. And so if you start you've made a concerted choice to to, to coordinate your emojis with your skin color. I'm fighting and a man. Rachel has sent me two skin colors, so I'm like I'm highly confused. Will's so I sent him a, a thumbs up, a white thumbs up, a brown prayer hands. He goes, Brown and white emojis, bold move. Worthy of a deep dive. <laughs> I, I just saw this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Jordan um, Peterson okay. was on this, Fox and Friends uh, today, so maybe Jordan could dive into yeah, what does could, this he mean? He could break this psychologically yeah. down for us. Okay, so go back okay. to the original question. Yeah, I really like this conversation. So first of all, um, I, I really think that that what happened when the American founders adopted the United States Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and enshrined these principles is... I don't want to call it a great leap forward for humanity because we're not going to always remain on our front foot, but it is the exception to humanity. So the story of humanity is tribal power. It is just, you know, Mm -hmm. most of the time, violent, aggressive struggles for power. Then our founders come along and they enshrine these principles. And the principles are really ingenious. And they're designed to ensure so many different things like that power is fractured, that we have checks and balances, and that some things like you're talking about, the idea of free speech is sacrosanct, and it's better for the overall good. And the reason it's so genius is because it defies human nature. Human nature is to to acquire and hoard power. And it is to probably silence your detractors. We all have that little devil inside, right? It says, I don't like what you're saying, and I want you to shut up. And I'm willing to wield whatever power I have to make you be quiet. That's a devil that exists inside every single one of us. I think human nature is to censor. And I don't think that's left or right. I think what his genius is, our founders understood that and, and created principles or enshrined principles and created mechanisms to protect us from our devils inside. Now, that being said, I think progressive ideology, the ideology of the left, never truly valued those principles or this foundation. And here's why. Because they have a belief, I think you're right, Sean, in a higher moral. They believe they are doing good. I do believe that to be true. And they think they need power to accomplish that good. And all of these checks and balances in this in this foundational documents are problematic for them. And that's why for the better part of a century or more, they've been talking about things like the living constitution or let's pack the court with Franklin Delano Roosevelt, whatever it may be. All of these little burdens that the founders put in the way are in the way of them doing something they think is of a higher ethic moral. Now, they truly do believe clearly Donald Trump is Hitler. And if you do believe that, I mean, these are quaint principles and these are quaint checks and balances. You're not going to do that. You're not going to abide by them. In fact, you're going to destroy them because you need to live up to the higher moral of saving, quote unquote, American democracy from Hitler. And so you're right. I think we're going to cross this. We're going to destroy these things, these genius foundations of America, but I don't think the left will ever look back on it with regret. That's what I, I think, Sean. I don't think they'll ever look back on it and go, you know, these were protecting us as well, which absolutely they are. But because human nature is tribal and violent and quest for power, they'll just continue on in that path, believing they are on the side of angels. Wow. I think it's I think it's fascinating. And, and, it's, and I agree with your analysis, Will. I think you're spot on. But um, I, again, you mentioned that they truly believe that Donald Trump is Hitler, and I, I, I think that's the correct assessment. 
And then if you go, well, what has, forget what CNN says or MSNBC says, what did Donald Trump do that was so egregious? He gave power back to states. He tried to decentralize power. What he had a conversation with Kim Jong-un. Right, which, by the way, turned out pretty pretty good. And one he, with Zelensky where he said, hey, I think that the Bidens are doing some dirty yeah. business in your country. He it, got it, impeached for that. He, he, he put tariffs on China. A lot of free traders would say, that's a, that's a, that, that we're, we're free traders. You can't do that. Well, it, it turned out pretty good for America trying to protect American jobs and businesses against a country that's cheating um, and, and, and abusing us. I look at all the things he did, Will, and I'm like, it wasn't Hitler at all. They, they don't look well. at the facts of, of who the man was. And the policies that he was implementing as compared to what the media narrative was he's about him. just a threat him. to the system. Isn't that it, Will? He's just Yeah, a probably, Rachel. It certainly isn't that he's far right. I mean, no. no. Many of the policies you talked about, like like trade protectionism against China. It's a Democrat issue. Some, yeah, exactly. And there, there's more. We could go. Securing the border really? was a, a, a Democrat issue. Basically, at one time, at one, well, of course it was. They, 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 mm-hmm. I mean, Democrats and unions didn't want cheap labor coming into the country. Republicans that were more corporatist back in the day, they wanted cheap labor in the country. I mean, so he's flipped all of these issues on their head and really kind of embraced a lot of Democrat philosophy. Before he ran, he was further to the left than Barack Obama on gay marriage. He sure was. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, he hasn't moved marriage. on that. I mean, he I mean, he's he hosts the 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 log cabin Republicans at Mar-a-Lago um, for their big convention. I mean, yeah. so he's not being, you know, pulled around here or there. I mean, you could say um, on abortion that he's come around. But I, I've talked to people who are close to him and, and they've said they believe that's a really sincere change of heart that he's had on abortion. Um, and boy, he, he's delivered on that. But. Uh, I, I mean, listen, it's it's fascinating. It'll be interesting to see to see what happens. I do think things are broken, breaking, and I think that's why you see people saying, I'm going to, uh, you know, Sean did a story this week on, on the bottom line, Will, where, you know, there's now these huge conventions on homesteading. Um, there's a lot of people who are going, I, maybe it's not that they think there's going to be a, a, a civil war or something crazy happening like that, but they're basically at least saying, I want to check out of this system because I don't trust it. I don't like so, it. So, homesteading is if if you uh, decide to tr- try to feed yourself. I'm going to have chickens. I might have a cow. I might have a pig. I might grow vegetables. But I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to try to provide my food supply by myself. Now, some people are doing it for health reasons, but I so, think some people are doing it because they just. So they go, I don't I want to live off the grid. I want to live in the country. I don't want to I want to check out of this whole system. So there's a bunch of liberals like we lived up in northern Wisconsin, a bunch of liberals. By the way, they had the best farms, like organic farms. And like so they've been doing this for a little while. But now 40 percent of the homesteaders are conservatives who I think what happened during covid was people were like, listen, um, I, I'm going to the grocery store and, and, and I'm seeing a whole bunch of things that aren't there that are normally, you know, on the shelf. And if if there's a crisis and I can't buy food at the store, I can't feed myself. I can't feed my family. I don't know how to do anything. And they made the like- decision to go to, to, to go try to provide for themselves. And they don't like big big food. Yeah. And all of it, whether it's like something G- you would have heard like 1969 San Francisco hippies doing and now exactly. it's the right. Exactly. And well the 40 and, and a, a lot of Christians, a lot of Catholics and Christians who are concerned about religious persecution are doing it as well. They're they're, they're trying there's to break free from the system. That's right. Um yeah. and there's a number of people who are doing it and I think what's happening will is there there's just a feeling in the uh, maybe it's in the American subconscious that that things are not right, things are not normal. This is we're we're experiencing something that's that's it's it's in the midst of change. We've never seen it before, and a lot of people feel like it's not for the better. Things are going hey, to get worse. What do you think's going on? If, if we just walk through several political issues, right, and then we even walk through a lifestyle issue, and then there's the we could do war. You know, the the two parties seem to have switched sides almost yes. on, right. on on their approach to war. Also, <laughs> when it comes to Rachel Sydney Sheehan, as we call her, no, now, now Will and Pete called me uh, Cindy Snowden. Cindy Snowden. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah, but same thing when it comes to big pharma. It's yes. like we switched sides on that. Totally. And, and then I'm just going to throw this in there. So a friend, a longtime friend, um, religious, entire life, 
said now questioning their belief in God. And when pressed a little bit, it seemed like it was connected to politics. My point is, it's just on so many things. It's like the world is turned upside down. Meaning your friend it's, now believes in God or doesn't no, believe in God? No, the other way, Rachel. The other way, Your Rachel. friend doesn't Shock. believe in God. Yeah, questioning their faith after all these years. And, and I don't know because it didn't really – it actually is – a one-off conversation for me. It wasn't a direct conversation for me. It was mm-hmm. um, told to me. But it seemed in some way, it wasn't pressed, connected to America's political environment. I just don't understand what's... It's like there's something deeper going on in America, yeah. and it feels like everything has been shaken up like a snow globe or s- turned around 180. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. You know, I want to ask, I don't want, I don't want to leave you without talking about this next topic because I think it's actually kind of tied to this. And I think, I think people are going in, in, in either direction. It's, that's interesting. You say your friend is losing faith in God. I think a lot of people see what's happening. They're losing faith in institutions mm-hmm. and in sort of what they thought America was or could never turn into. And it's making them want to get closer to their family. And I think that's also part of the homestead um, trend that we're seeing. People wanting to go, you know what? I can't control this crap that's happening in D.C. or in my town. I'm going to move to the country and just, you know, have my own little plot of land. And hopefully my my kids will live near me. And I think that's happening. We have, you know, our own Pete Hegseth did it. Um, And I've been watching that with a lot of admiration. I want to talk to you about this. 85% um, of young people have reported that they don't feel that marriage is needed or necessary in order to have a fulfilling and committed relationship. In addition to that, well, one in four young adults have literally ruled out having kids. So we're seeing less young people less interested in in, in marrying, thinking it's antiquated, not necessary, and also a, a, an unprecedented number of young people just literally saying it's not I, i'm not interested in having kids ever. that's such a huge mistake such a huge mistake what's happening that's gonna though? be the trend um well i mean we could probably look at it several different factors i mean we've talked about on the show together rachel the decline in religion over time i think we're at a are, are we at a historical low point yes. i think we are yeah, yeah. um in religion, and marriage is a vow before God. So if you don't believe in God, then you can just do these civil unions or just live together, right? Of course, the price to pay for that is huge because what's easily entered can be easily exited. Yes. Um, it's and, bad for and women, so, especially, by the way. Yeah. I mean, there's a point to accountability. And if you're accountable to God, you're going to be more apt to work through your issues. Um, by the way, Kathleen and I, my wife, have talked about this recently several friends who've had marital troubles and it really is fascinating those who really adhere to their vow to god and work through hard things you know bad things in a marriage but then stay together and work not 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 you know quiet and silent but work on it put work into it and i just seen the other side of it it's fascinating how rewarding it is you know uh, that's right i I have said the same thing and and nothing easy will um, gives you great joy. I don't think so. Right. It, the things that you have to work at and put time into and focus on and master. I'm a lot of work. I am saying that. Oh, you are. I think <laughs> but because all marriages are a lot of work. Everyone will say, and if you think it's going to be easy, you're in the wrong game. It's, it's actually really hard, but the time you put into it, the reward is great. It's a beautiful oh, so thing. Um, and I, 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 so I look at just the male side of this, Will, and if, and if guys get together, And, um, the closer the relationship, you know, I I think this is, this will happen more, but they'll talk about sports. 
They'll talk about their jobs. They'll t- they'll they'll they might even talk about their investments and their bank accounts. And there's a lot of things that guys. They might, some might talk about hunting. You might talk about roping cows and riding horses. There's a lot of stuff guys talk about. But in those those close male relationships, oftentimes. You talk about your family. You'll talk about your kids. You'll talk about your spouse. Um, And you talk about those things because they're deeply meaningful. They have deep impacts on your life. And if you ask men who who are married with children, and it goes to the point that Rachel is asking, what's the most important thing? Is it your bank account? You know, is it sports? Is it, you know, rodeo? Is it hunting? Or is it, you know, the, the kids that you're raising and, and, the, and the wife that you're spending your life with? Undoubtedly, they'll go, the most important thing to me is not those other things, which I actually enjoy. The most important thing is this mission in my life with my wife and my kids. Yeah. Um, and to think that so many young people are willing to give that up, but to forego it. it and they, Because I think, Rachel, they don't know what they're foregoing. I was just going to say, are we just not talking mm-hmm. enough about how the, the, the pleasures and the joys of kids in marriage? Is that what's happening? Well, by the way, but I think we're talking about, yeah, go ahead, Will. Is that the problem? Well, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I mean, the, the, if, you're, if you're writing on paper, I, I think that the statistical or sort of like generic path to happiness is get married young and have lots of kids. Uh, hello. That's, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. But, I mean, so it has a tension, though. Here's the, the, the tension of it. And, I, you know, I was just on vacation for a couple of weeks, and my mom, my, my dad died when I was young youngish and um, my mom's second husband great dude and he and I were talking and um, you know I've got a lot I got a lot on my mind lately and Rachel may be mm-hmm. able to understand a lot of choices I need to make in life and things that I want to do and my mom's husband and I were up early one morning having coffee together and he said one thing you got going for you is your wife and, uh, and I was like you're absolutely right like mm-hmm. you you it's so important to marry well <laughs> um, and what I'm so saying true. about that is um, and what is well? All I know is that I have a partner who will support me. And I'm not the easiest person to always support. I make, you know, risky decisions sometimes and do things that require, it's just like, it's a train that takes a lot of turns on the track. Um, and, and so, but I have a, a person in my life who supports me and is with me and is my partner. And my, my mom says, was like, you can have somebody that does that or somebody that drags you backwards. And that's without a doubt the case. Um, so if you're young, you're sitting there going, wow, then I need, I better be careful. So I'm going to delay marriage, delay marriage. So you do have this tension, but I would, I would say don't delay marriage for selfish reasons. Don't delay because, oh, I got to make a bunch of money first. I think that's a mistake men make. Sean, I don't know how you feel about that. Like you, you, a, a marriage can actually help you start making more money. That's you statistically know, like, actually true. Married yeah. men make more money than single men. And, and by the way, also are healthier. Um, yes. I think that is because of the women. I mean, I know your wife, by the way. She's amazing. She's like the like a solid rock in the Will Kane family. She is the <laughs> rock, and um, she's just so she's so solid. She's so she's she's such a real solid person. And yeah, women make men better, and women like Kathleen um, probably make you healthier. Um, and and probably yeah. made, help you make more money because she's supportive well, I, of everything. I think, I think it makes. So I just know for myself, I was I was doing a lot of different things, but I didn't really have focus, like the kind of focus you need to 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 launch forward. And I got married and had a baby on the way right away, which, by the way, I don't necessarily always recommend that to spend a little time with your new wife is always a good thing. Uh, we've mm-hmm. had, we've been, uh, well, we've been in diapers, not we, but we've had diapers. <laughs> Sean's not in diapers. <laughs> we've had diapers in our life um, for our home marriage, 23 yeah. years, 24 years. We've and we still di- have one in diapers. We still have diapers. That, so I'm like, if you have a little time together and, you, you know, you get to go to dinner without a crying baby, that's kind of okay. But I, my, my point with that, though, is I, when, I, when I had a baby on the way and I was married, the level of focus I had in making sure I could provide for them. And I wasn't always sure how I was going to do it. I was taking the bar and I was doing lumberjack shows like, but I was stressed out. And that stress, um, because of that responsibility was a really good thing for me. And I think I've gone to different places because of that 
the, the 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 need to provide for to care for the need to impress me the need to impress <laughs> me as well made me a better provider which made me more successful in my life which means you you, you make more money and I think that's and Rachel said the stats are right on that but I don't I, I think that it's it's it, to Rachel's point I think it's important to talk about the great joys um, that come mm-hmm. from families and kids but also not to lie to people because it is it is it is hard it can be <laughs> challenging you know it, there is sacrifice but those are the things that that all also give the greatest joy I mean you're you're a sports guy. I mean, the, the greatest football players and baseball players, it didn't come easy. They sacrificed. They gave up their Saturdays, their Sundays, their nights. They, I mean, they they played all the time. They practiced all the time. And in the end, you see, we see the rewards of big contracts yeah. and, and amazing play. You do not see all of the time and the sweat and the effort that went into the glorious yeah, moments that they the have. you're missing the point of what I'm saying. What I think saying? if you talk too much about how hard it is... Then young people, people. you don't don't lie to people, but there's a lot of joy in being married and having children. I don't think we talk about that. And then we wonder why kids don't want to do it. You know, I, 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 I'm a little with Rachel on this one. I mean, I know it's hard and I a hundred percent agree with what you say, Sean, about like most rewarding things in life are hard. Um, but the joy really outweighs the, the difficulty on this choice. It really, really is an easy call for me. Um, Sean, how about this? Why do you think men delay it? I think they delay it because they want to make a bunch of money. They overemphasize looks. And it's not that looks aren't um, important. They are. But by the way, looks fade in so many of the shallow ways. My, my wife's having it. I'm sure Rachel's having that's, that's not what I'm saying. If you could see the but look that you, Rachel just gave, she's uh, like, yeah. what, Will, what, like Wade, what are you saying? If you, what? My only point is if you prioritize <laughs> it, it's what will, it will, it won't work out for you. Agreed. I promise you. Agreed. Choose. How about this? Choose healthy lifestyles, things, values you share there that help maintain other things. Okay. Well, how about this? So, well, so, what's, wait, what's, I, I think men are, can be selfish, right? I, I want to go on the, the, the I hang with the, the, the guys I can go, I can, you know. It's I, freedom. It's freedom. Yeah. And there's, there's a tie down factor that comes with, with marriage. Some, but I don't then think guys, Then their buddies start getting married and they're all alone. Exactly. That's true. But I, the, re, the reason I made the point about, about talking about some of the hardship and I don't want to, dis, I'm not doing that to disincentivize, but I, what I don't want is people to think it's all easy. And that's why in the first year you see divorce and to mm-hmm. let people know, listen, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's one of the greatest things you'll do, but it's going to be hard. And to set people up with the right expectations of the, of the, of, of the difficulty, but then the benefit from it as well. I always tell people, and this is true for us. And I think it was, I, I know Evita, Evita's first year, my daughter's first year of marriage. I mean, there's challenges. Our first year of marriage was hands down our worst. It was horrible. Yeah. It was oh, really? horrible. Yes, it was terrible. Oh. I, I I wanted to leave. I was just like, what have I done? Um, it was it was so <laughs> like, hard. And it who was in my went, house? Where did, how did, where did she come no, from? Literally, Will, I called home to my mom. My mom's, you've met my mom. She's like hardcore Spanish lady. I called her. It was probably, we maybe were about a month, month married, month Less than maybe a month or two. No, we're about two months. We're about two months in. I called and I said, I, mom, I'm coming home. I made a mistake. And she said, I'm sorry, honey, you don't have a home here anymore. Your home is, your home is with Sean. You need to, you need to work that out. And she hung up. And actually, that was the best thing she ever did. I had to work it out. Um, Will, what would you say? What would you say? We're going to end this up, but I want to end on a positive note for those men out there. Um, what do you what do you what do you think they should look for in a woman? Ooh. Okay, so by the way, we should also say I get this note a lot from younger guys whenever I talk about this, and I don't talk about this kind of stuff a lot. But um, there's a lot of guys that are saying I want to, I'm ready, but um, I don't know. Women in America today, it's very hard. That's, that's what they tell me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Um, some younger man, I th- I, younger no, no, no. Can, can I just say it? something really quick about that? I think that's yeah. true because I think women are getting fed a lot of bad messages about marriage. Actually, they're being told, men, be a girl, marriage. be a girl boss. That'll make you happier. Um, you know, we've talked about the Barbie movie, yeah. Ken and Barbie don't get married. I mean, it's just so depressing. Well, you got to find a woman who knows her place. Will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So what, what do you look for? So I, the best thing I could say that you look for is a best friend, honestly, because this is the person you spend more time with anybody else in your life. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have other buddies and best friends and all those kind of, no, they, they remain in your life, but you spend no, I think when I'm done with this podcast with you guys, uh, Kathleen and I are going on a walk and then we try to do, we're just going to talk, you know, and walk the dog and talk. And so it's just somebody you like being around. 
Yes. Like I know physical attraction and all these other things are very important. They're, they are. But you got to be with somebody like you like being around and want to talk with and hang. So they add up to being your friend. And I, I, I want to be careful how I do this part. Don't be careful, Will. That's we do have pretty table. traditional. We do have pretty traditional roles in our marriage. Um, one of us goes out and does the work and brings home the money, and the other one is in charge of our family, basically. You know, and what runs the house. And I'm not saying that's how every marriage should work, but it is how marriage has kind of worked for well, centuries for most of humanity. <laughs> since yeah. the beginning of time. And humanity. I do think there is something to that. I, I really do. I agree. And, and Kathleen and I have talked about this, and this, there is sometimes this trend, which you just talked about, the girl boss thing or whatever. It's like, well, I'm, I'll, I'll share two things. Kathleen talks about there's a trend among women to talk bad about their husbands a lot. Have you ever noticed no, this? No, like, I don't because I would never participate in that. Well, they get, they get around and they say, you know, bitch about the husband or say he's like this. And by the way, dudes do it too, you know. Um, I've never done that. And and Kathleen doesn't do that. And the ones that do often seem to think that there's this game that you always have to play about who's equal, right? Like who's getting the better deal in the mm-hmm. relationship. Or I think that's a dangerous game. I think that each person in the relationship has a role and you fulfill that role and it's a supportive role to one another. And I think that is really key to making a relationship work. You know, well, you mentioned uh, being friends, right? And be, the friendship is, is so important. And I, a couple points. One, I think you might just start off a relationship where you're friends with someone. And what you find is they become even better looking as that friendship grows. Um, yeah. And really beautiful people like on the outside that you start to get to know actually become uglier <laughs> the more you get to know them. And it's, it's true. Um, and, and I think that's, that's, that's a reality. And when we, we, Rachel and I have talked about this, when, when you're on social media and you're just swiping on looks, um, and you're not actually going out there and engaging in the world and getting to know people, Rachel and I call it dating, like it's 1980 going out and meeting friends of friends and having coffee and having drinks and, you know, having apps, you, you miss this whole side of this really important part of building friendships that can develop into a, a love story. And I think more, more young people have to do that. Um, and, and I think, again, the culture has to talk about making sure their hearts are open to marriage and kids. And, um, and I think, you know, as I say, you can save America by saving your family. All of us, if we all, if we all save our own kids, if we yeah. all save our, our, you know, making sure the woke lefties don't get them, that we educate them well in their faith and their rights, we're going to do well in this country. If we turn them over to the, to the leftist mob, we lose. And so much power comes from the family. And I, as I told you, I was in Congress, by the way, there's also this thing in Congress where your staff will talk bad about you on the Hill. I had that my first two years in Congress, Will, and we fired the crap out of everyone who did that. But that's a common trait as well. But um, I had more, I have more power in my house than I had in Congress to make a difference in, <laughs> I did to, to make a difference in the world, to save America, oh, more no power doubt. there. No. And I do think, Will, no that, that modeling good marriages, you know, sometimes you don't have to say anything. I think it was St. Francis says, um, at all, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Um, and I think that people that are around us will look at, you know, we can say, we need to say more nice things about marriage, but probably the best thing you could do is just have a great marriage. People yeah. will notice. <laughs> well, can I tell you, you're impressive. Yeah. I mean, you do water slides, rodeos, you bounce on that little ball horse on Fox and Friends. <laughs> you're a legal analyst, a marriage analyst, sports analyst. Like you cover all he the a, bases. He's a truly a Renaissance man. You're like an all around, <laughs> you're just an all around good guy. Will Kane. Um, listen, we appreciate you joining us at the kitchen, uh, kitchen table. I appreciate you guys. A lot of wonderful insights uh, and thoughts. Um, we appreciate your deep thinking and kind of unpacking these big stories of the day for us at the kitchen table. Thank you for joining us. And uh, thanks for being so great to Rachel on the weekend as she... He is a good friend. We love you, Will. And also, when you go on that walk, give Kathleen a big hug for me. Okay. Love her. Thank you, guys. Love you, too. All right. Take care. Thanks, Will. Bye-bye. So I want to thank Will Kane for joining us. I mean, again, I think there's so many big things happening in the country, and, and to really think about them and try to unpack them, and it's going to take time. This is We're doing this right away, but it's, this is going to unpack over weeks, months, years, decades what's happening right now in American history, and um, it's, it's so important um, 
because it's going to this is this is critical about who we are going to be as a people and what kind of government and what kind of rights we're going to have and yeah. i appreciate i appreciate the way will thinks through things yeah he's um, a deep thinker he thinks about things in, in, in that way I'm really glad we got a chance to talk to him a little bit he you know he's a he's a we always say he's like a, a slow peeling onion like you don't get to the core of will kane easily I'm I'm starting to get to the core cane after like two years of being on the show with him. And the core cane. The core Who is the core cane? The core cane. You got I'll a, tell you a lot what, of unpack there. He, uh, the more you get to know Will Kane, the more you like him. He's one of those people, and I think that you could. I think it kind of. I'm really glad we we talked to him about both topics. I think that's what the takeaway. I think for our, our listeners will be. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, he's a great family man. He thinks a lot about just like you do, Sean about his family, about what he wants to have happen in his, um, in, uh, you know, his career, his family, his, his you know, he thinks about all, all those you, things. So, sometimes when, when, when you watch someone on TV, you might go, Hey, is, are they just, are they like that in person? And Will Kane is, um, he's actually better in person. I think he's even better. But he's, but he, always nice. always respectful. Yes, always thoughtful. Definitely. Um, and a lot of fun. So I appreciate him joining us, uh, at the kitchen table. Um, unpacking the stories. Of our day. And it's been a big week. It's been a big week. Listen, if you like our podcast from the kitchen table, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can get us at foxnewspodcast.com. Always. We always like when you subscribe because then you get a notice of when our podcast drops. Until next time, everybody, thanks for joining Bye, us. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.